Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Good morning, Mission Church. How are we doing, 10 a.m.? Come on, 10 a.m., you feeling good? You came to church on a rainy day. I want to say what's up to everybody live streaming. Come on now, that rain kept you away. I forgive you. But it ain't going to be the same. There's nothing like being in the room, but I digress. Anyways, um, uh, also, cool announcement, we have two uh, locations now. I don't know if you knew that. We have Mission Church Walnut Creek and Mission Church Monterey. Um, we had a marriage retreat, and uh, so there's a hundred and some people in Monterey right now. A lot of them probably streaming in right now. They better be watching. Um, couples who stream together, stay together. Uh, so this is a couple pictures from yesterday. Uh, stream together, stay together is really cheesy. Um, Jim and Harry have been married for 52 years. They won the award for 52 years. Isn't that amazing? Amazing, amazing. It was such a great time. It was one of the games we played. Rachel and I made it up there yesterday. It was awesome. Just such a sweet time at the Mission Marriage Retreat. Uh, if you are married and you didn't come, man, you missed out. It was amazing, amazing, amazing. So we pray for uh, Mission Church Monterey, but you in the house today, here we go, Mission Church Walnut Creek. Are you ready? Are you ready for the message? I hope you're ready for the message. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Uh, we're going to dive into the Word today. Are you ready to get to work? Okay, Joe, Joe Little's ready. I like it. I like it. I'm not going to lie. The 830 service was a little sleepy, and I was like, well, I'm excited for the 10 because I know they're not going to be sleepy. Well, you, you, you tricked me. Surprises on me. You're like, no, we sleepy too. All right? I get it. It's rainy. It's gray out. I get it. I get it. You came to church. Uh, treasure for you. Okay, here we go. Matthew 16 says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who does the Son of Man, uh, who do they say the Son of Man is? Stop. Uh, the series we're starting today, I'm going to preach the next five in a row, is who is this Jesus? And it didn't come from my own idea. You, you look at scripture and Jesus asked this same question. And if I were to ask you, who does the Bay Area say I am? They say, nobody. He's Mr. Rogers. He's, he's a Santa Claus. He's, he's, he's a fraud. He's a prophet. He was a good teacher. He's a good guy, but he's not for me. What would they say? So he asked that question. He says, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or more, uh, of the prophets. And I love what he does. He goes, okay, so here's what the East Bay says, but now here's the question coming to you. Picture Jesus asking you right now this question, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this is not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Stop. When you see God clearly, you see your purpose clearly. When you see God clearly, you see your identity clearly. When you see God clearly, you get a whole type of authority that you didn't have before. A new confidence, a new courage. It... Raise your hand if you've been following the Lord more than 10 years. That's a lot of the room. Come on now. I love it. I love it. A lot of you think you already figured it out. I know what Jesus is. I've read my Bible. Kind of. You know, I go to church most of the time. I got this, Tyler. I got this. Like, I don't even know who this Jesus is. Trust me. I'm believing. I was, I've been praying for people who have been following the Lord for 30, 40, 50 years that, that there would be a freshness on this series. That you would see a new facet of Jesus. Different seasons of my life, I've encountered God in a way I never knew I could encounter him. When I was young, I encountered King Jesus. I remember getting saved and being like, Lord, my life is yours. Da-da-da-da, you know. And then I remember failing over and over again. 
I, I was this new believer and I was struggling with certain things that I knew that I wasn't supposed to be doing in my life anymore. And I just remember meeting patient Jesus. A God who was patient with me, not, not condemning me, but, but walking me through and, and literally giving me mercies new every morning. And the grace wasn't there so I could keep sinning, but the grace was there to sustain me and to get me out of those things. Then I met restoring Jesus. Grew up in a broken home and uh, a poor home, food stamps. And you fall in love with the Lord and what you thought could never be fixed, he comes in your life and he puts you on the table like a surgeon. And if you don't fight it and you let him do surgery, you'll meet a restoring Jesus that would change things in your life you never thought you could change. So I'm not sure what facet of God you, you need to meet in this season, but Jesus is the alpha and the omega. He's the whole gambit. You know what I'm saying? Some of you need to meet like, you know, like drill sergeant Jesus because he was just so lazy not living for Jesus. You know what I'm saying? You need Jesus like, hey, get up. Live for me today. Love people. You know? Um, okay, anyways, um, uh, I want to show you a pic from my, my trip from Israel. Uh, I went to the Holy Land. I uh, went to Jesus' digs. And uh, this is my new friend, Jeannie. Uh, Jeannie retired, moved to Israel. And now this is the garden tomb. This is where uh, most scholars, most historians, I, it's, I'd be shocked if it's not this place, uh, is where Jesus uh, literally was buried and conquered the grave right there. So you, you walk in, and, and Jeannie's a tour guide there, and she shows you the garden tomb, and she walks in and says, welcome, I'm Jeannie. Uh, my husband and I moved here a few years ago from Ohio. Uh, let's go over here and see the uh, skull of Golgotha. And I was like, okay, Jeannie, we walk over. You know, and then, and then she's like, over here, you see this bus station? This is where the Roman road would have been. And the Bible shows us very clear that Jesus was crucified by the road. And he would have been crucified right here. And they would have uh, wrapped his uh, dead body and brought it to uh, this um, grave over here, this empty grave. And they would have uh, rolled a stone in there. And then after three days, it was emptied. And we all know why he sent his son to die. And we all know why the grave is empty. It's because we needed a savior. And I'm just listening to Jeannie preach the gospel of me. And I was like, are you going to give me an opportunity to say yes at the end? Because I want to I raise my hand, Jeannie, you know. And she's just talking about Jesus in a way of just pure authenticity and love and passion. And she gives tour after tour, day after day. And I, I, I had to find out, like, like, what compels somebody to retire and give this tour every day? So find Jeannie, a couple other pastors, we, we hear a story, and she said, I grew up in church, and for 59 years, I never knew who Jesus was. 59 years, I never really understood the gospel. I missed out on 59 years of my life, the fullness of my life, and the fullness of hanging out with my Savior, because I never heard the simplicity and the, just the realness of the gospel. She says, so when my husband and I uh, retired, we decided we were going to come here and share the gospel for the rest of our life. And the, really, this series, if I could just be honest, some of you, you think you know Jesus, but you're going to get to know Jesus. Some of you, you think you, you got it, but you're going to actually really get it in a whole other level this next season. Because when I asked Jeannie this question, Jeannie told me this, and then she said, Tyler, I need you to go back, and I need you to preach a simple gospel. Let the people know who Jesus is. And I was like, you got it, Jeannie. You know? <laughs> I'm going back to California. I'll let him know. Simple gospel. Jesus is real. You know? You know uh, Peter got Jesus. I got Jeannie. They both are really powerful. And on this rock, the church will stand, Tyler. Go get him. You know? Um, and I, I want to I do something this series, and, and it's going to be one of those ones where uh, I, I don't want to leave you any wiggle room. I don't, want, I don't want the person in the house where you have been living one foot in and one foot out to be at the end of this five weeks being like, I can still live one foot in, one foot out. Right. I want you to know that if you want the fullness of who God is, you need to fully commit. Yeah. And if you want to fully live for God, if you're one of those people like, I don't know if I want to say yes to Jesus, you need to know something. The Bible's very clear that there is this thing called eternity, and there is heaven and hell. We all know what eternity is real. It even says in Ecclesiastes, they took eternity and placed it in our hearts. So we feel like we know we're supposed to live forever. So when we die one day, we're either going to live eternally with Jesus in heaven, or we're going to live eternally with Satan in hell. 
that's a real reality. And so I, I don't preach in vain. I don't preach because I want to. I, didn't, I don't pass because I want to. Because the reason and one of the, the fuels in my fire, if I could put it that way, is that everybody would be able to come to heaven. On our dead body, would people not go to heaven over us? Well, maybe, if you know me, you better know who Jesus is. Yeah. I love what C.S. Lewis said this way. I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Come on, we're going to make a choice today. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else he's a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Stop. The next five weeks, we're going to look at different stories of Jesus in, in the Gospels. Leading up to Easter, Easter's right around the corner. People will say yes to come to church more this time of the year than any other time of the year. Think of somebody that needs Jesus and invite them to church. Deal? Deal. We're going to look at uh, this series, Who is This Jesus? And as it goes on, uh, I share this in our preacher's prayer. I'm believing this is going to be the greatest series I've ever preached at Mission Church. We're going to see more transformation we've ever seen. I'm believing it. Um, I just feel my spirit. Are you ready for the message? Yeah. Bow your heads. I'm going to pray. God, we love you. God, we come to encounter you. God, we come to, to encounter your presence, to hear your word. God, I pray right now that my words fall to the floor and your words soar. God, I pray right now that, that there would be no apathy in the house. We come against apathetic Christianity. God, we want to lean in and hear your word. I come against distraction. I come against shame. I come against the, the, the tools of the enemy that would try to steal from this moment. God, you have something for us. And God, we say we are ready. We love you. We love you. Everybody said? Come on, come on. I'm going to have Joe Little come up. Come on now. Joe Little just turned 29 years old. 29. This guy was a college athlete. He's a 6'5 specimen. Um, we are the exact same height. So it's kind of crazy. I, I, whenever I see Joe, I'm like, man, you're really tall. And he says the same thing to me. I'm like, but we're the same height. Like, I, I didn't realize we really are like big mooses. We're just tall, huge giants. So uh, here's some Bibles, Joe. Um, I'm going to um, uh, just show you guys some real quick. Joe, stand right here for everybody. Um, Hold your Bible, uh, hold the Bibles out like this. Fantastic. Put one foot out. Great. I love it. Okay, hold on a second. Um, balance this too, okay? I'll be right back. I'm going to read scripture, okay? Um, okay, everybody, uh, here's the deal. Uh, let's read some scripture. Joe, don't drop anything. Don't lower your shoulders, okay? Don't move your foot. Okay, here we go. Matthew 12. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on the Sabbath duty uh, in the temple desecrate the Sabbath, and yet they are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. Stop. Uh, the, the, the Pharisees, uh, uh, you, guys, you guys ever been, anybody ever been in a dance battle before? I've been in two dance battles in my life. You know what I'm saying? I was a youth pastor, so you get in some dance battles. So, so a dance battle, the way it works is somebody comes up, they do a dance move. And you're like, oh, you want to do something? And then you do your dance move. And then, and then they do a dance move. Then, then you do a dance move. And you go back and forth and back and forth. And then somebody eventually wins. Well, the Pharisees challenge Jesus to like a scripture dance off. They're like, well, the scripture says they shouldn't do it. And Jesus is like, oh, you want to do a scripture dance off? You want to get in the ring? I'm the dancer of all dancers. I am scripture. So they, so they say a scripture. And then Jesus goes, don't you know in the world? 
word, it says that the priests work double duty on the Sabbath. I'm not breaking the Sabbath. These are priests. I'm a priest. I work double duty on the Sabbath. We can grab some grain. Not only that, he says, don't you read about David? He goes over and over again. I mean, he is literally pop, pop, uh, pop, pop. And they're like, okay, we should not have gone in the ring with a guy who is the word of God. How's it going? Oh, you bent your leg, arms. You already lost. You already lost. That's a loss. Okay, get, get, get out of here. Um, who would, hey, give it up for Joe. Give it up for Joe. Oh, yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, do I need him? No, I don't need him. Okay. Um, that's going to make sense in a second, I promise. So, it's just nothing with my message. Just wanted to punk Joe. <laughs> just got to do that to your youth pastor once in a while. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so, um, Joe, I need you to eat this disgusting food for an illustration. Oh, never mind. I'm not going to use it. Okay. Um, so, so they get in this scripture dance off and back and forth. And, and what I love about it is that when they say something about scripture, Jesus doesn't go, you know, I just had this thought or an idea that those scriptures are just like old school and they just don't pertain anymore. And, and he doesn't do that. He, he battles scripture with scripture because one of the um, people in this story is eisegeting scripture. They're, they're isolating something, not sharing the heart actually of the whole word of God. And then Jesus is exegeting scripture. He's sharing literally the, 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 the vastness of all the scriptures connecting, saying, no, this is actually what is supposed to, the Sabbath is supposed to be. And he goes on, he says this, and he's, here's how he finishes it. He goes on to say, if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not a sacrifice, he's quoting Hosea 6, 6 right there, you would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Now, we don't use the word Sabbath anymore. Can we agree? Not a lot of people are like, hey, what you do tomorrow? Sabbathing, you know? Hey, what's your week look like? Well, I got a little bit of work, and then I got Sabbath tomorrow, and then I got a little bit of work, and then I'm going to Sabbath some more, you know? Shabbat, 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 what's up? You know, like, like nobody talks that way in our culture, okay? So I've got to unpack what Sabbath is. So when Jesus says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, the word Sabbath comes from the word Shabbat, which means to cease and to stop. And so Jesus comes on the scene, and just like I had this picture of Joe standing here, he had both Bibles uh, standing there, and he was holding his foot up. What, what happened is Jesus simply said this. We're going to look at three things. What is the Sabbath? Why can't I Sabbath? And then how do I Sabbath? So let's talk about what is the Sabbath. So there's this law given in the Old Testament, and it simply says, do not work one of the, uh, the seven days. And he basically says, don't have ordinary work, reflect and celebrate. That's it. Then the legalistic people get a hold of it, and the Jewish traditions, they add 39 laws to that one law. 39 things. You can only walk 3,000 steps from your house. And if you have food, you can walk another 3,000 steps. You can't carry any burdens. And a burden would, would be defined as two dried up figs. So you can carry one, but not the other. I mean, all these stupid little things on top of it. And really what happens is... As Jesus shows on the scene, the Sabbath looked, did Joe look kind of silly? Can we agree with that? Yes? Yeah, so, so, so a Bible by itself is not that heavy when you're carrying it the right way. But when you start carrying things the wrong way, and you start adding things the wrong way, you start to look foolish, and it drains you and exhausts you. And Jesus says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the Lord of rest. I'm the Lord of stop religion. This whole thing that you put on people, you, I'm, I'm here to stop it. You're exhausting them with religion. I'm the Lord of rest. I'm the Lord to say, stop trying to perform and earn the things that I already paid for on the cross. I'm the Lord of stop it. And so, so he comes on the scene to show people who he is. And I just got to submit it to you real quick. You may be in the house today and be like, Tyler, I'm good. I'm good. We're going to Maui next week. I don't need to talk about rest today. Because my message today is, who is this Jesus um, when Jesus brings rest? Like, you're like, I'm good. I'm good. I just, I got a spa appointment tomorrow. Somebody gave me a gift card. What, what? Like, I don't need to hear it. Can I just tell you something real quick? Put my quote up on the board. This is what, I worked on this all night last night. I was, I was trying to memorize it. Boop. Boop. There we go. 
There isn't a spa nice enough, a vacation long enough, a drug strong enough, a cocktail big enough, a religion pure enough, and a spouse perfect enough to give you the rest your soul desires. There isn't one. There isn't one. You need to hear this real quick. Oh, I'm burnt out. I'm tired. I'm going to go on a vacation. There isn't one long enough to actually give you what your soul desires. Oh, I'm so tired. If I could just put down these things that I've been carrying and go to a spa day, you put them down for a second. You get to put your foot down and you walk in, you go to the spa, but guess what? Those things are waiting on the outside. I'll be honest with you. I know our culture. You know, I mean, like, you're tired. You're, you're worn out from the day. What do you do? You get a nightcap, and you try to numb what is stressed out. You're, you're torn up. I, I got to get this thing soft again. So instead of going to the Lord, you go to a drink to maybe soft yourself and give you some rest. There's not enough cocktails to give you the rest that you desire. There's not enough drugs. There's not enough weed or bowls or gummies or chewies to give you the rest that God can give you. I know way too much about weed. We'll talk about that later. All right. All right. Anyways, catch this. The way they punish kids in other countries in school is they give them stress positions. And it's just lift your hands up. Doesn't seem too hard. But as the day goes on, it breaks the kid. And if you allow the enemy to have foothold in your life, he will put you in stress positions and stress seasons that God never intended for you. And it comes from a religion putting a yoke on you that never should have been there. It comes from a culture that puts a yoke on you that never should have been there. Can I tell you something real quick? We're in the most overworked uh, society ever in the history of mankind. Wow. Ever. You want to hear something I found out in my studies? I was like, what? Okay, you ready for this one? So there's uh, 30 plus like fully developed countries in the world. There's only four that don't have a law against how many hours you're supposed to work in a week. So like uh, in South Korea, you can only work 52 hours. 53 hours, it's against the law. The people who employ you will get in huge trouble. So it's 52 hours. They're trying to get to 60 right now. But there's only four countries in the whole world that are like, work as much as you want and work them as hard as you want. Now, if you're part-time, there's hourly. Da, da, but when you get on salary, it's like, what do you mean you can't do this right now? Oh, you want to start a business? Work, work 16, 18 hours a day. We're the first time in society, the country, we are so overworked. And so Jesus comes. And he says, I'm ready to give you rest you never had before. Yeah. And so he, he basically gets in this battle. It's a head-on collision of legalism and love. And legalism will not win. So, so what is the Sabbath? We show it. Uh, the Sabbath is, is uh, this um, uh, day that is rest. In the, in, the, in the context of the scripture, it was the seventh day of the week. Seventh day in the Jewish calendar was Saturday. We're going to start Friday at sundown. It ended at Saturday uh, sundown, so 24 hours. Uh, and it was a ritual. It had to be that day. Uh, not only was it a, a daily thing, but then there was a bunch of those 39 legalistic laws around it. Uh, not only that, uh, it was um, something that uh, if you broke it, it could literally cost your life. So there's a lot of parameters around this thing. Now, we got to talk about the law a little bit real quick because you'll see in these scriptures, like, that's unlawful, that's unlawful. That's, you'll see that word a lot in this. So I, I want you to know real quick, as I preach, I'm not coming against the law. Law is good. The law, the law has its place. And Jesus knows that, but the disciples uh, know that, but the Pharisees are kind of lost here. Let me give you a picture of what the law is in the Old Testament and what the, what the Word of God is. Uh, it is like an MRI machine. It, it would be like going to the doctor, and you know something's off in your body, and you get, boop, MRI'd, and it comes back, and you're like, oh, you're, you have this, and you have this, and you have this. Now, the MRI machine was great. It showed you, but it didn't heal you. Wow. And what, the, what the, the law shows is, boop, wow, you need a savior. Wow, there's brokenness here. 
And one of the prescriptions that Jesus says to this brokenness from the law is, you know what your soul needs? It needs some Sabbath. Do you know the word says it's health to your flesh? I mean, literally, Hebrew word means medicine for your soul. There is prescriptions that Jesus could give you that would literally heal what is broken inside of you. But what happened with the Pharisees is they thought the law was the healing antidote. And so they added more law. It'd be like, just add more law, add more law, add more law. All it's doing is showing us that we can't make it through this. It would be like a scoreboard of saying, like, okay, you got to go against the law, but every time you went against the law, you're down 10 after every quarter, and it becomes 40 after four quarters. It'd be a terrible way to live life. Amen? So, so that's what the law and what the Sabbath was. The Sabbath is simply put to be a blessing to let you rest and celebrate what God had did uh, throughout that time. Now, uh, let's look at a couple other things real quick. I, um, I want to look at the ritual law of the Sabbath. So we looked at the general law of the Sabbath. Like, Sabbath's good. Like, it's there to create life. You know, all the law is, if I could just summarize it, is to create life in your life and not death. The Ten Commandments are not restrictive. They're actually a blessing. They are tender commandments. They're there to protect you and bring life to you. And so that's, that's just a general law. But let's look, look at ritual law. Because here's the deal. The Pharisees were mad. They were mad that they grabbed a little bit of grain off the uh, uh, field. And that was legal to do, and it was permissible to do. Uh, and I could go into the whole thing, like a, a provisional law, Old Testament stuff, but we're not going to go into that. That would be way too theological today. But what I want to go into today is, I want you to hear this real quick. The Pharisees weren't necessarily mad when you broke the law. They were mad when you broke their law. Their law. 39 laws. They had all their little things. They would get upset. And, and here's, here's what I mean by that. It's amazing when God gives you instructions and you make them like an idol in your life. It, when ritual, when law becomes ritualistic and when law becomes religious, it creates dried up religion. It creates death. Let me even prove it to you, even uh, something I found out in my studies. So during this time, there are Jewish tribes that so held tightly to the Sabbath that they would be in war with another tribe. And when the Sabbath day would come, they would put their weapons down and allow the women and the children themselves to be killed because they held so tightly to the Sabbath. Pompey writes, when Rome took over uh, Jerusalem, the reason why they were able to take over Jerusalem is the Sabbath came and they stopped fighting on the Sabbath day. And Pompey writes that they would have never been able to build the ramp to go to the wall if they would have fought on that day. How many battles have you lost and how many people have you lost because you've held too tightly to religion? How many things have you lost in your life because you've held so tightly to something else instead of holding tightly to Jesus? Can I stir the pot a little bit more? Are you guys ready for this? Matthew 15. Here we go. Matthew 15, Jesus comes against the Pharisees and their ritual law and their, you can, you can do this, but you can't do this. They get mad when you break their law, but not all the law. And here's what Jesus says about it. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. I believe we should have that tradition today still, though. Wash your hands. That's just nasty. Okay. Anyways, uh, that's just a different sermon. Um, uh, Jesus, I do judge people when they don't wash their hands before they food. Okay. Okay. That's a different thing. Okay. Uh, Jesus replied, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares uh, that what might have been used to help their father and mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father and mother with it. Thus, you nullify the word of God for your sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. He's like, you're a walking contradiction. You're, you, you, you're like, you're saying do one thing and then you do the other. He goes, uh, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Stop. I'm going to tell you some things real quick. We have that spirit. It's alive and well today in the church all over America. 
I'll, I'll give you some examples. Can I, can, I, can, I, can, I, can I really stir the pot a little bit today? I'm going to go for it. You ready? Okay, so, so uh, we've been pastoring now for five years, uh, Mission Church. We, uh, you know, my, my, my desire is always to make sure the Word of God, and I guard it. I mean, I'm close hand. The Word of God is inerrant. I believe that all 66 books were in order for the authors. I think it's perfect. I want to honor what God says. And so if the Word says it, I want to do it. The Word says don't do it. I don't want to do it. And so uh, you have to exegete Scripture very well. And there's some things that you could say in Scripture that are like, well, you know what? Like, we're going to find out when we get to heaven on this one, you know? And so one of the verses that um, is in the Bible in Timothy, it says that uh, women shall not be pastors, basically. They cannot pretend to be over a man, okay? Now, in the context of Timothy, there, uh, women weren't educated at the time. There was blurting out in the church. There was no order in church. So, uh, so, so Paul was trying to create order in the church of Ephesus at that time. So that was the heart behind that, that context. But, but we'll have our church, and I'll hear from people like, hey, uh, one of my friends told me I shouldn't go to your church because you guys have a kid's pastor, and, and they have a kid's director, and the kid's director is better than having a kid's pastor because you'll have a kid's director, but a kid's pastor. I'm like, what's the difference? What does the kid's director do that our kid's pastor didn't do? Nothing. They just have a different title. Walking contradiction. Okay, let me keep going. Uh, well, you have a worship pastor, and they have a worship director. You, they, they think you, they, we shouldn't go to your church because you believe in women pastors. Okay, okay. Now, does that same church have all their women braid their hair like it says, the word says in, in Corinthians? Or they cover their head like it says in Corinthians? Or wear no jewelry? The same person that will leave a church because they believe in women pastors will go to another church, but not uh, hold tightly to the verse in Corinthians about braiding hair and not wearing jewelry. You're a walking contradiction. You're embarrassing to the body of Christ. Can I say it that way? Was that ruthless? It was a little ruthless, but I want to I I know this. Like, um, as we navigate as a church, I am never going to elevate one thing. Because the reality is, Corinthians, the heart of that where the Lord said to do it is there was Aphrodite prostitutes that would uncover their head, not only that, shave their head, and then walk down from, you know, in Corinth and walk down and sleep with people. So the Lord's like, I want you to look different. I want the women of God to look different. Do not dress like the prostitutes. There is something about honoring to God in your dress. So don't dress like them. Dress like this. Now, it wasn't supposed to be restrictive. It was supposed to be set in a part. So each scripture always has a heart of God in it. But, but what's amazing to me is that uh, when you go to one church, they're like, don't break this rule. But this one we're not so upset about. That makes the church look foolish. When ritual law takes precedence in the church instead of Jesus taking precedence, the church is done. Can I get amen for that? Oh, you think I'm done? I'm just getting started. <laughs> Let's talk about submitting to your husband. Are you ready? Okay. Um, <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Okay. So, um, you think I'm joking? I'm going to actually read Ephesians 5. Okay, so um, I've been pastoring for almost 20 years. And the last 20 years, it's culture changes and different verses tick people off. Different verses touch buttons, you know. But take, took the same Bible and went to the Middle East. Sexuality, honor, uh, alignment, authority. They wouldn't, they, would, they wouldn't bat an eye. They're like, yes, I love that part of the Bible. You bring that same Bible to America. And they'd be like, what? Uh, honor that person? Uh, you know, sexuality? No. Or, or honoring uh, marriage? No. Like, it would offend in America different ways. So the Bible's offensive different ways all throughout the world, okay? Because if you read the Bible without the heart of God at the center, you will miss it every time. If you read the Bible and just ICG and just look at it as a bunch of rules, you are going to miss it. So um, I, you know, I've done a lot of, uh, you know, uh, pre-married counseling. I think I've married like, I don't know, 75, 80 people uh, in, my, in my time. A lot in a little pocket of my life. I was doing a lot of weddings. I don't as much anymore. But um, we would start going through stuff. And I've even got marriage treats and they would read this verse. And here's what would happen, right? We'll, we'll read it like, like we were in our pre-marriage together, right? Ephesians 5. You know, it's one of the, you know, and the Ephesians are broken up. First three chapters, the calling church. The last three is the conduct. So how we're supposed to conduct ourselves with each other is really the heart of Ephesians uh, three, uh, 4, 5, and 6. And so this is the first one. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit your husbands as to the Lord. We'd read that, and it would be like this. 
what? You know, like, like, I mean, like, like, woo, 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 woo. Now, just so you know, I am married to a very strong female, okay? Uh, shout out. Um, Rachel is no wallflower. Uh, she was, we got married at 29. She was a single woman working at Sony as an exec, making six figs and then some, doing her own thing. She didn't need a man, okay? She needed a Tyler. Come on now. Come on now. Hey, I didn't use that first service. That just, that came from the top. This just came from the heart. Anyways, okay, anyways. Um, Rachel and I are going through our pre-marriage and we're learning all this stuff. Now, here's what the enemy loves to do. God's a creator, Satan's a perverter. He loves to take these kind of scriptures, put them in TV shows and movies and pervert them and make them look like the worst thing ever. And also bad men have tried to take verses and take them out of context and use them in the worst way ever. And so, so you read that verse and it touches the button. I'm going I'm to unpack all this for you. So, but let's read this with the heart of God. Let's keep reading. For wives, this means submit your husband as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife and his Christ is the head of the church. He's the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so your wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Now, if it stopped right there and, you know, it was like the 1920s, all the guys would be like, yeah, yeah, you know. But it doesn't stop there. Hear God's heart. Here's what he says to the men now. Let's, let's look at this. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by cleansing of God's word. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. Okay. He did this to present herself to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or of any blemish. Instead, she'll be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church, and we are members of his body. So right there, Christ says to the women, uh, serve your husband. Says to the, uh, the men, serve your wife. What's the conduct look like? It is a, the heart of the scripture. It is a submission competition. It, try marriage, not this way. Let the power struggle be a competition of who's in charge all the time. Have the competition of the power struggle be who's getting theirs, whose needs are being taken care of. Have that be your marriage and see how it goes for the next five years. Or hear the heart of God and say, get married and have a submission competition. Women, submit to your husbands. Boom. Husbands, die for your wives. You're getting even lower, okay? You're not getting higher. You're getting lower if you want to use that kind of uh, uh, picture. It, it, it's one of those things where Rachel and I are clicking on all cylinders when I'm not trying to get mine or Rachel's trying to get hers, but actually when we're looking for each other's needs. It, like, imagine, you know, like me coming home. Rachel's like, hey, how was your day? Uh, um, do you need anything? And as she's asking, I go, bam, already got you a coffee, girl. She's like, oh, you got me before I got you. Oh, you want to play that game, huh? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, how can that be a bad day in a wedding and a marriage house? Can we agree with this? How is that like, is anybody being exploited at that moment? Is anybody being hurt in that moment? No, when you become a couple and you become married and you're purpose is to serve the other person and the other person serves you and your purpose is to have each other's dreams come to fruition. How is that a bad thing? But if you just read one verse and you ice it, submit. I'm in charge. I'm the boss. Well, no, no, let's keep reading. That's not what that means. So whose needs are first? Both are going like this. It's a beautiful dance. If you read scripture with the heart of God, you'll love scripture. But if you read scripture with the, the culture, self-centered consumerism or whatever your bent was be or whatever book you read last week by a new author and then you bring it to scripture, you're, it's going to make you go nuts. But I'm telling you, the heart of God is to set you up to win in every facet of your life. Can I get an amen for that? What's another controversial thing I can touch on? I'm just kidding. Okay, uh, let's keep going. Um, 
So that's, uh, that's uh, what is Sabbath. We looked at the general law, ritual law, and the heart of the law. Now let's look at why, why can't I Sabbath? Why can't I Sabbath? First one is this, and I'll even speak for myself. I think these are things that I've struggled with. And the three things we look at why I can't Sabbath is lack of identity, lack of worth, and lack of freedom. First one is lack of identity. We, we read in Matthew 16 that when Peter uh, encountered uh, Jesus, Jesus not only was told who he was, but then Jesus gave Peter his identity and his purpose. Uh, whatever you give the most authority to will define you the most. Okay? Uh, let's look at our, our society. So I said we're the most overworked. Did you know we're the first society that's defined by our work instead of relationships? So since the beginning of man, the, the thing that defined you was, am I a good friend? Am I a good son? Am I a good father? Am I a good mother? Like, who cares about the job? It's just, am I great at relationship? And then our society came around. It's like, relationship, <laughs> work defines you. So now work is your identity. And the reality is, is when you have a lack of identity given to you from your God, you have to find it through a job. And how do you rest when you're trying to develop your identity? And whenever you take your foot off, you start to lose your identity. Let, let, me, let me share a, a movie illustration. Uh, anybody ever see the Rocky movies? Love the Rocky movies. I love them. Uh, they're now called the Creeds, okay? Um, I'm excited for Creed 3, by the way. Pumped for it. Um, so uh, in the Rocky movie, it's, it's the first one, and, and he's working his tail off. He's not resting, and, and uh, uh, Adrian goes, what you, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you pushing so hard? And, and, and Rocky goes, I got to prove to him that I'm not a bum. I, I, I got to. Like, when I get in that ring, everything that happens in that ring that day, it will define who I am, why I'm alive. I have to prove to everybody I'm not a bum. And if we were being honest, why do you work so hard? Why do you present yourself in this way? Because you want to prove to everybody you're not a bum. Why do you want to be such a great parent or great, a great friend or whatever it is? You're trying to define your identity. I'm not a bum. I'm worth something. The reality is, is you have a lack of identity and it's going to exhaust you. Which brings me to lack of worth. Lack of worth. When you have a lack of worth, you have to prove your worth always and as a pastor, there's different ways that I feel this tension all the time to prove my worth. As a pastor, I go, okay, I want to meet with anybody and everybody. I want to love everyone. I want to serve them. And so I'm going to do as many meetings as I can. And so I, I, I have this, this pitfall where I don't rest very well because if anybody's upset with me, it destroys me. I'm a people pleaser. And so I, just, I want everybody to be happy. So I'm always trying to prove my worth. There's this tension. Okay, okay, they want to meet, I'll meet with you, you know. And I'm like, I'll meet with you. And then, and then, and then at the end of the week, I like literally have, you know, this many meetings, and then I'm exhausted, and I have nothing else to give to anything else because I wanted to prove to these people I'm a good pastor. And then the other part is when I preach, I feel this, this, this proving that I got to prove my worth that I'm a great preacher. doesn't matter if I preached a great message a month ago. Uh, my position is senior pastor, and I got to prove that this, I'm worthy of this position. The reality is, is when you put your worth in a position or your worth in a title, you're always going to be trying to prove it to the title or the position. We live in a society where if you don't do what you do and show your worth, there's people standing behind you to do it for you. It's the culture we're in right now. But if you get in that cycle of trying to prove your worth to people and prove your worth to a church or to a small group, that, that lack of worth will never let your soul rest. You're always going to be grinding to the next thing. And the last one is a lack of freedom. A lack of freedom. Deuteronomy 5 says this. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one is, uh, in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and your daughters, your male and female servants, your oxen and donkey and other livestock, and any foreigner living among you. 
All uh, your male and female servants must rest as you do. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath. Stop. What an interesting text. He's saying, hey, uh, I want you to rest on the Sabbath. And don't forget, I took you out of Egypt. You were a slave. And so remember the Sabbath because I took you out of slavery. And, and do, you, do you see what Jesus is saying? He's saying, I didn't take you out of slavery so you could be a slave to something else now. And he's saying, I didn't take you out of, uh, to be a, a slave out of Egypt, and now you're going to be a slave to being a people pleaser, a slave to an iPhone, a slave to a drink, a slave to perception, a slave to performance. And Jesus is saying, hey, the one reason why you can't rest is you don't have freedom yet. If you can't stop, if you can't leave your phone alone for a whole day, you a slave to your phone. If you can't drink for one day a week, you a slave to a drink. If you can't um, say no to somebody who wants to hang out because you want to please them, if you say no, you're going to upset them, you are a slave to people. And Jesus is saying the Sabbath will expose what is in the bondage in your life. Sabbath will expose what, what is holding you back. And the reality is, is that you will trust God on that day to rest. He will produce more in six days than you could ever produce in seven. Yeah. Now, now let's look at the, the last part. So how do I Sabbath? I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. We're going to finish with this. How do I Sabbath? So, um, you ever heard me preach? Uh, grew up in a really poor family, food stamps, all that kind of stuff, blah, blah, blah. Never got on a plane for the longest time. Never went to a spa. So now I'm uh, 30 years old. It's, 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 I've preached before, so I don't want to go there really. But if, if you haven't, that was my childhood. I'm doing okay. Okay, so anyways, um, I'm great. So uh, I'm around 30 years old. And uh, my child best friend uh, and his wife, Andrew Christina, are visiting us. And they're like, we want to go to a spa and we would love to go to Pell Beach Spa. We got we to gotta show Tyler a spa. He's never done a spa before. And let's name him the best one. Uh, we think he'll love it. So Rachel's like, oh, gosh, a spa day would be amazing. So we go to the spa. And it's Pebble Beach Spa. It's amazing. Four diamonds. like one of the best spas in the world. And I remember we get there and they have this like reading room outside. And so we get to the spa. And I'm like, oh, what are we going to do with the spa today? And we get in the re- the, this, this reading room. Should have known exactly what we're supposed to do with that room. But uh, with the title. And I remember so we sit in these nice chairs. And there's a little fire pit in there. And we sit there for about 10 minutes. And I'm like, so what are we doing for the next six hours? And Rachel and Andrew and Christina are like, this. I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, we just sit here and you read and then you get a massage, you get a hot tub and you just do that for six hours. And I was like, ah. So like 20 minutes, I try to fit in. I was like, oh yeah, this is great. I, re- I read it 20 minute clips. I don't like, I can't sit somewhere for six hours. It's not the way I'm built. And so like after 20 minutes, I was like, I was like, uh, you know, anybody need water? Lemonade? Lemonade? They, hey, 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 who, I started to become like a server there. I was like, hey, who needs, hey, who needs some cashews? You need some cashews? Well, bam. You know, I was like, I was like, I was trying anything and everything. Okay. I was, I was, like, I was like, I was like, I didn't, and, and then I was like, hey, so uh, how was your week last week? You know, and, and like, it's supposed to be quiet. I'm like, hey, how was your week last week? You know, so six hours goes by, we leave the spa. Nobody had a good time at the spa. I wasn't having a good time. Nobody had a good time. And I just didn't know how to spa. I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know there was, like, there was like, there was a way to get in there and settle in. And so we went again and Drew said, hey, hey, okay, I'm going to show you my routine. I was like, hey, listen to the routine. He's like, first, I go to the hot tub. Just sitting here for 10 minutes, just relax. We talk, we, and he's like, we can talk in the hot tub. We can talk shop. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. So we talk sports, relax in the hot tub. He's like, then I hit the steam room. I was like, okay, yeah, this is nice, nice. He's like, I was like, what now? He's like, we go back to the hot tub. I was like, okay. And then we go back to the hot tub. He's like, okay, and then, you know, I get kind of snacking. It's been about 30 minutes. Let's go, down, let's go outside by the room, chill, get a snack, relax for a little bit. And I remember, like, learning how to do the spa right. And now when we visit Andrew and Christine every year in Florida, they take us to the Ritz Spa as, as a treat. And I go there, and I literally get settled in, lay by the pool. I come out eight hours later. I'm like, woo! They, were, they, they, they made their hours close at 5 p.m. instead of 7 p.m. because of COVID a few years ago, and they never changed it. And I remember laying out there, and they're like, we got to leave in 15 minutes. Like, 
they haven't extended the hours at the spa yet? Like I was complaining that the spa was closing, you know? Like talk about night and day. So anyways, I think I would be a bad pastor if I told you, now go Sabbath, go rest. If I didn't teach you how to Sabbath. If I didn't give you some handles on your way out to say, hey, the angst you feel, the anxiousness, the, the weariness, if you do these things, you might be walking out and saying, man, I want to have more Sabbath in my life, not less Sabbath. So here's, the, here's, here's how you Sabbath. First one's this. Take more Sabbath. You said, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is no longer a day, it's a person. So the Sabbath's not just having a day, it's before you leave to work or wherever you're leaving to, actually have a moment with the Lord and rest in Him. Like hang out with the Lord more than just on a day. Like have Him be a part of your life. Like take the Sabbath every day with the Lord. Rest with the Lord. Stop the religious stuff that you tend to bend towards or performance stuff and rest again. So take more Sabbath. Second one's this. Balance your Sabbath. There should be balance in your Sabbath. We, we see this uh, throughout the Word and some of these are very practical. One is you should do something recreational. If you love fishing, go fishing. If you're a fisherman, that's your job, don't go fishing. Me and Joe, we're not pro golfers. Trust me. So we go golfing a lot of time on our day off. So it'd be something that would just be recreational. So do something recreational on your Sabbath. Now don't be contemplative. This is biblical. You have, to, you have to reflect and worship about who God is, who he said he is, and who he said you are. If you're not worshiping on your Sabbath day, you are missing out on your Sabbath day. You'll never be what it's supposed to be. I start my days with worship. I start my days with that moment. I'm going to worship you, God, and I'm going to know who you are, and I'm going to know who I am because of it. So you got to be contemplative on your uh, Sabbath day. Uh, third thing you need to do is you need to be inactive. And what inactive simply means is that you have to rest. Did you know land has to rest? Land must rest. Soil must rest. So the, the, the Israelites knew that every seven years, the soil had to rest for a year. And God's given a picture of even the soil. Do you know what happens when the soil rested for a year? They'd watch the certain things come up. And you know what happens when you rest and you do nothing? Certain things bubble up. And you sit there and you start to reflect and something that God wants to deal with starts to bubble up. And he says, today I'm going to deal with that. Thankfulness starts to bubble up. When you start to just sit there and be still, things start to sprout that wouldn't have sprouted if you wouldn't have sat and reflected with your God and been active. So you have to do those things. Uh, balance your Sabbath. A uh, third one is you need to be accountable. It is not possible to live in this culture and not have somebody help you slow down. You need people to say, stop. You religious people, you need people to tell you stop being religious. You performing people, you need people to tell you stop, stop performing. You need people in your life saying, hey, it's a simple picture. If I walked into a room and everybody's dancing, guess what I'm gonna start doing? I guess we're dancing. I mean, like, literally, like I'm, 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 I'm chill like that. Like, if I walk in a room, it's like, we're watching a movie. I'm like, I guess we're watching a movie. If you get in a community where people are like, hey, we're resting today, it will start impacting your life. Get in a community that values rest and the Sabbath. Uh, fourth one you need is, you need to inject the Sabbath in your life. You need to look at your life and find out where to inject it. It doesn't have to be a Sunday. It doesn't have to be a Saturday. It has to be a day where you say, Lord, I'm injected in my life. Now, I'm not trying to be too controversial, uh, but people are so um, uh, opinionated about the COVID vaccine. Do you guys remember the COVID vaccine or is that just me? I'm the only person? Okay, so, so people are very opinionated. Uh, it's going to kill you or it's going to save your life. That literally was the two. There was nothing in between. Like, I was kind of more in between. It might have been orange juice. I have no idea. I'm cool with that, okay? I'm kidding. Wow, that's really touch the button. So like, don't you talk about the vaccine. Okay, so anyways. Um, uh, so some people thought it was going to kill you. Some people thought it was going to save you. So I get it. Hey, have your opinion. I'm not here to change your opinion on the vaccine. But some of you, you don't think the Sabbath is life and death. It is life and death. 
There's no, there's no way around it. You have to inject it into your life. You got to invoke it in your life. I mean, we know the, the illustration, Chick-fil-A is open six days and they do more business in six days than all the other, grocery, uh, all the other fast foods do in seven days. Trust God. If you inject this in your life, it could do something great in your life. And then last but not least, you need community around you that are doing similar things to teach you how to rest. I have pastors in my life that have taught me what a real rest day looks like. And one of the greatest advice I ever got was from a pastor who, you know, preaches, he goes, I make sure I don't create on my Sabbath. Because one of the main priorities of my job is I create a message and I get really creative. And so on my day off, this creative part of my brain, I completely let it be inactive because that's a part of my life that cannot be going seven days straight or else I'll get crispy and I'll get angry. And so I learned from pastors who've been pastors for 20 years and like, this is how I've been able to run for 25 years and stay fresh. If you're a business person, get around business people and learn how to rest. If you're a parent, you want to know how to rest even with kids, get around other parents and learn how to rest together. Get in a community, amen? And last but not least, we want to finish with this question again. Who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? He did not make us guess. He said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Now, let's look in the uh, Old Testament. The first time we see Sabbath, um, God makes the heavens and the earth you know, makes the ocean, forms it and fills it with fish, forms the sky and fills it with birds, forms a man and fills him with air. I mean, forms and fills, he forms and fills. And on the seventh day, it says that he Sabbath, he rested. Now, did God rest because he was tired from making the earth? Like, oh, okay, space, okay, ocean, birds, all right, mankind, you know, like, like oh, Okay, we, we did it, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We all, good job. High five, everybody. Let's rest. Let's rest. Is that why they stopped on the seventh day? No. Bible doesn't say he rested because he was tired. It says he rested because it was finished. It says that after six days, everything was done. There's nothing left to do. So it's time to rest. And the reality is, there's one reason why you can't rest is you haven't heard Jesus say over your life, it is finished. That you are a masterpiece, that you cannot earn anything, that everything that you've ever desired has already been paid for on the cross and emptied in the grave. And because you haven't heard it is finished, you try to prove yourself over and over again. I reverted uh, last month, to be honest. Oh, I reverted hardcore. I was getting anxious again driving to church because I want to preach such a good message. And I get so angsty and I can't, I can't, um, I can't relax. And so I'm like, I'm literally driving to church. I'm like, <gasps> doing my breathing exercise. I'm like, okay, you got to preach. And then when you show and you don't want to show anybody like, hey, how are you? I'm good. Like, and I was, I was reverting because I wanted to prove to people I could be a great pastor and a great preacher. And then I start studying again and read the word. And I'm like, Lord, it's finished. I don't have anything to prove to anybody. This last week, I had 18 meetings, 18 coffees, lunches, and dinners, and other things throughout. And um, some of them are, I pursued because I wanted to, you know, meet with people. Some pursued me. And some meetings were light. And some meetings were really heavy. But if you're doing 18 meetings, leading team prayers, staff, working on a message, going to marriage retreat, I'm going to last for maybe one more year tops. But the reason why I said yes to every single meeting was because I felt this pressure in my soul that if I said no, people would be upset with me. And the reality is, is I, there's always going to be work to be done. But the Lord reminds me, no, it is finished. You can't be the Pope to everybody. You can't be that person to everybody. As our church grew up to a thousand overnight, I realized I have to go, it's okay if people leave our church sometimes. And here's what I mean by that. We believe in revival here. We believe that we're going to see a lot of lost people get saved. Some people are like, you talk about revival too much. I'm leaving. I'm cool if people leave because we talk about revival too much, okay? We're not seeking revival. We're seeking the reviver, by the way, okay? And then he revives. Um, so so I like, I wrote that down. like, okay, I'm okay with that. Uh, um, you know what? You're too uh, passionate during worship. You guys are too expressive. Okay, go to a church that just looks at people when they sing. Like, I'm okay with that. Like, like, like I'm okay people leave our church with that. Because, you know, I don't ever want anybody to leave. You know what I'm saying? But I'm like, I have to be okay people leave over that. We believe in miracles. 
How many people can be healed? And people are like, you believe in miracles? I'm out of here. Yeah, go to church that thinks uh, the Holy Spirit's dead. I'm fine with that. But here, we're going to believe the Holy Spirit's alive and active. Like, I wrote those things down. I wrote a new one this last week. I'm okay if somebody leaves because I didn't get coffee with them within seven days. And those are, it's really interesting because it's just another meeting. It's just another thing. And I want to have coffee with everybody. I, lo- I love people. I'm an extrovert. I love, I love our church. And I know a lot of people in the house here are like, I love doing this and I want to do this. But just another thing might be the thing that brings you back into slavery. Be free and rest this week and know it is finished. Will you bow your heads? I don't know if it's your first time or second time or third time in church, but you want to say yes to Jesus, yes to heaven, no to hell, yes to blessing, no to cursing. You want to say yes to salvation. It's a very simple thing. You need to respond. God was stirring your heart, but you want to say yes to Jesus. I want you to raise your hand, catch my eye. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand, catch my eye. One two, three, raise it up. I want to say yes to salvation. I see you. I want to say yes to Jesus. I see you. That's a great decision. I see you. That's a great decision. Come on. Anybody else want to say yes to Jesus? I see you right there. That's a great decision. Anybody else? Raise it up. Raise it high. If you're in the back, raise it high so I can see it. We're believing right now. I see you on the right side. God bless you. Come on now. Church, we can celebrate that. There are about seven people said yes to Jesus. Come on. That's a big deal. Will you stand up? I want to pray for you. God, I thank you for the ones that said yes to you. God, I pray that they would take that next step. And God, that they would just start coming to church on a regular basis. God, that they would join a small group. Maybe they go to the next step class that starts next week. And God, we pray right now that this next uh, five weeks, Lord, as we, we go into Easter in four weeks, Lord, that, that you would do something in our house, that we would see you in a fresh way. God, would you give us rest? Oh, God, may we rest well and run well. We love you. We love it. Everybody said? Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.